Thanks for joining us for this podcast. We hope that it inspires you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about the life and ministry of City Lights Church and how you can connect with us at city-lights.church. Well, if we haven't met before, my name is Andrew, and along with my beautiful wife, we lead City Lights Church. And um, God is doing some amazing things. And this morning, I want to talk about new wells. I want to talk about new wells. To put it simply, new wells mean new life. New wells mean new life. And wells are life-giving supplies of water. A well, when a well, when a location or an area uh, that doesn't previously have a well or a water source, there is an ability for people, things, communities to thrive in that place in a way that wasn't possible before. It's a pretty simple concept, right? So we have this place and it might be dry, it might be barren. And then when we have a water source, a life source, then from the availability of that water and life source, things can begin to thrive and can begin to flourish. So in a moment, we're going to talk about a story in the Bible, which is talking about literal wells. If we have a look at the next slide here, uh, this is a place uh, that is the setting of the story is going to be. It's in the Negev Desert in southern Israel. And this is the type of environment where it is dry, it is barren, it is lifeless. And we'll see in the story that a new well is going to be uh, found and dug in a place like this that is going to allow communities, people uh, to thrive in a way that wasn't previously possible. And I think the same is true for ourselves. And we can go back to that slide that says new, lo- uh, new wells. The w- this is true for ourselves. There are seasons of our life when we look around and we don't have enough provision. We look around and instead of seeing the, uh, the conditions for us to be able to thrive, we see the opposite. We see barrenness. We see desert. And this is why we need new wells. Do you know that Jesus himself also used the idea of a well to describe spiritual transformation. Here's what he says in John chapter 4. He's having a conversation uh, with a lady at a well, and he says this. He says, Those who drink the water I will give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And here is the process that I believe happens within us is that through the presence of Jesus and through the power of Jesus, we have the ability to see new things spring up within us and also the ability to create environments of new life where people can thrive and flourish. Do you know that a new well is probably one of the best ways that I could describe what's happened in this church? Is because of a result of 
uh, all the people that have been part of this and the spiritual transformation that has happened, you begin to see new life flowing up and welling up in people's lives. And at the end of the service, we're going to celebrate a baptism. And we've got that little, if you wondered what that pool was about at the front, you're like, I don't know what's going on there. Um, is it gonna, are we going to have a slippery slide? That would be cool. I wouldn't be against that. But that's actually, we're going to baptize someone out there. And we're going to celebrate the new life that is, and the transformation that has happened within them. Do you know, in churches and in, in environments, you have an opportunity and you have a choice to do a couple of things. One of the things that you can build is you can build a well, you can dig a well, or you can build fences. You know, there is types of Christianity which is rule-based. It's designed to keep people from going out and to keep people in. That's one option. The other option is to create a well where people are drawn to new life and actually start to experience the presence of God from within them. Now, my experience is, and I, I wonder, I ask you if this is your experience, that you can sense places where there is life. Can you? I, I know that this is sometimes how I feel it, but I don't know how you experience it. But do you know the experience of walking into a room and going, oh, there's life here, or a workplace? And sometimes the opposite, walking in and going, I don't know what it is. I can't quite put my f- finger on something. There's something kind of, I don't know. Or you walk in to a room where people have just had a kind of like a major conflict and the atmosphere changes. Has that been your experience? That's been my experience. It's our desire that we would create environments where people who connect with us as people who have experienced the flourishing life of Jesus within us, that they would go, I don't know what it is, but when I'm near that person, I I can feel a positive and powerful influence. They may not have said anything, but you know that. That's also our hope for us as a church, is that we would continue to create an environment that is life-giving, where people are actually drawn in to the presence of of God. Now this morning, I'm going to share the story of a guy by the name of Isaac. So Isaac, you'll find this story in the first book of the Bible, which is Genesis. And uh, in the story of Isaac, Isaac is in a season of drought and desert. So there is a famine being, um, a nationwide famine being experienced by the people at that time due to a lack of rainfall. So the whole area is there is not enough ability to sustain life. And so Jacob wants to go down to Egypt. There's a lot of, there's a big established river system there. And uh, so Isaac wants to go down there. And God says to him, no, don't go there. Go to the Philistines. And there was kind of like this kind of tense relationship with the Philistines. And God said, I want you to rely on their generosity and so Isaac responds to God and says, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to do what you asked me to do. We're going to pick up this story. You can read it, Genesis 26. It'll be up on the screen. You can read it online on your Bible if you have that or a paper Bible. 
It says, when Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted, for the Lord blessed him. That's pretty good. He became a very rich man and his wealth continued to grow. So he acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle and servants that the Philistines became jealous of him. So the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. Doesn't sound very fair, does it? These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father, Abraham. Finally, Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave the country. Go somewhere else, he said, for you have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away to the Gerar Valley, where he set up their tents and settled down. He reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given them. Isaac's servants also dug in the Gerar Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. But then the shepherds from Gerar came and claimed the spring. This is our water, they said. And they argued over it with Isaac's herdsmen. So Isaac named the well Esek, which means argument. Isaac's men then dug another well, but again there was a dispute over it. So Isaac named it Sitna, which means hostility. And here's something that we can notice in this story, that sometimes God's blessing and God's favor actually doesn't attract peace, but it brings us hostility. Have you ever experienced that? That sometimes people are opposed to the positive transformation that is going on in your life. Has that been your experience? It has been mine from time to time. Because it's not always in other people's self-interest for you to flourish, for you to thrive, for you to be blessed. And this is what is happening here, that Isaac is obedient and God blesses him. And as a result of that blessing, he doesn't attract peace, he attracts hostility. And this is the reality that there are people who do not want you to thrive spiritually, and do not want this church to thrive spiritually, there are forces and people that will oppose you finding that new life in Christ. But God has called us to dig new wells. And in this next verse, there's a simple pattern that Isaac followed, which I believe is a pattern for us, not just in our spiritual life when I talk about coming to church, but I believe in our spiritual life, which allows us to approach every aspect of our life in this way. And I'm going to give you an example of that as well. But here's what Isaac did. The first thing he did is he let go. It said, abandoning that one. Abandoning that one. The first thing he did is let go. You know, if you're going to find a new well, you're going to have to let go. You're going to have to give up your rights. He had to give up all the effort. He had to give up all the hard work. Now, the Bible doesn't say he fought over those and he fought the people because he said, these were my wells. You can't have them. What did he do? He let go. He moved on. 
And sometimes that is difficult because sometimes we have to leave our successes, which he was a successful person at finding water. We have to leave our successes. We have to leave seasons of success. There are things that are going well in our life that God asks us to let go of. But also there are seasons of pain that God also asks us to let go of. In my experience as a pastor and as a leader and having lots of conversations with lots of people, in my experience, I don't necessarily always see people finding it easy to let go of good times and at the same time also easy to let go of bad times. But God calls us to let go. Sometimes we have to let go of certain relationships. Sometimes we have to let go of people who are hostile to us and who are opposed to our progress. This is what it means to let go. The second thing Isaac did is Isaac moved on. We need to get moving. In my experience, God uses a bunch of things to get us moving, and sometimes that is conflict, and sometimes that is pain, but that's the way that God moves. The catalyst for our life, the catalyst for moving is sometimes discomfort. That doesn't mean that we run away, but that means that we have the ability to leave certain areas in order to pursue God and the things of God. And the third thing that Isaac did is it said he dug another well. We are called to find new wells, right? So, so, if we're in situations where we feel the prompting of God to actually leave places, maybe good times, maybe success, maybe conflict has called us to leave on, we let go, we get moving, and then we set our hearts and our lives on finding new wells. Have you ever done this in your life? Have you experienced, have you seen, or as I'm talking about this, do you recognize a pattern in your life? Uh, many, many years ago, I used to work in uh, corporate in Sydney. I worked for a couple of big American companies. And um, I was a public Christian when I was there. People knew that I was a Christian. And some of them uh, were kind of like, I don't care either way. Uh, others really hated me for it. And one of the guys um, that I worked with, he used to call me this term, happy clapper. Okay? It's a... It's a derogatory term for Christians. You're a happy clapper. And as I thought about it, I said, actually pretty, that's actually pretty, um, pretty accurate. I'm happy. I do clap. I love a good clap when I come into to worship on a Sunday morning. And uh, I was like, okay, I can deal with that. And one time um, in my career, I went for a promotion and my boss, this was a, like a big company, like you're talking 60,000 employees globally, right? Lots of HR policies. And he says to me in the interview, he says, Andrew, you are not going to get this job because you won't get drunk with your clients. I was in sales and take them to a strip club. And I said, no worries, right? Because if that's what it was, I didn't want that anyway or a version of that. Now, this is me. What did I do? I let go. I got moving and I found a new well. 
Now, I could have, here's a scenario. I'm going to report you to HR. You know, sometimes that is appropriate. I'm not saying I'm going to make a big deal of this. I want to be able to get this promotion. I'm not saying that this is prescriptive in that way, but in this time, I felt just to let go and actually to get moving and I found a new well. Part of how I found a well is I went to uh, my boss, uh, who is a different guy, and I said, hey, tell me the truth about what's holding me back in my workplace and what do I need to really improve on? What do I be honest with me? And he told me some things and I worked on those and from that moment I um, had incredible favor and blessing in my career at that time. This is what it means to dig a new well and find a new well. So what about you? Have you seen that work out in your life? So let's keep going with this story. Verse 22, it says, Abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well. This time there was no dispute over it, so Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space. Remember that, open space. At last... The Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. From there, Isaac moved to Beersheba, where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. I am the God, your father Abraham, he said. Do not be afraid, for I am with you and will bless you. I will multiply your descendants and they will become a great nation. I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. Then Isaac built an altar there and worshipped the Lord. He set up his camp at that place and his servants dug another well. One day the king, king Abimelech came from Gerar with his advisor, Hazath, and also Philcol, his army commander. Why have you come here, Isaac asked. You obviously hate me since you kicked me off to your land. They replied, we can plainly see the Lord is with you, so we want to enter into a sworn treaty with you. Let's make a covenant. Swear that you will not harm us, just as we have never troubled you. We have always treated you well, and we sent you away from us in peace. And now look how the Lord has blessed you. So Isaac prepared a covenant feast to celebrate the treaty, and they ate and drank together. Early the next morning... They each took a solemn oath not to interfere with each other. Then Isaac sent them home again, and they left him in peace. That very day, Isaac's servants came and told him about a new well they have dug. We found water, they exclaimed. So Isaac named the well Sheba, which means oath. And to this day, the town that grew up there is called Beersheba, which means well of the oath. And have a think about some of the descriptions and some of the impacts of Isaac's obedience and Isaac's desire to continue to build and dig new wells. Think about some of the language that's used. What's one of the things that he described it as an open space? It's a place of an oath, which is places of promise a place of reconciliation and peace, places of promises and multiplication, expansion, the idea that from that 
place, generations could thrive. And do you see what happened relationally with Isaac's enemy, those that opposed him? What happened in the end? They came around. They saw the blessing that was on his life. They saw the favor that was on his life. And wells will do this as we commit ourselves within ourselves and also in the environments that we create, as we have this flow of new life that bubbles up within us, what happens? We attract the promises of God. We attract the voice of God. He has an encounter with God. We attract peace. There is reconciliation that takes place as we set our lives to be people who find new wells. Do you know as a church and as individuals in your family that God invites you and calls you to create new wells? And I think it's just so refreshing for all of us to understand that a new well is exactly that. That new wells are an option that is available for every person. Because sometimes we can look at a person's life and we can say, wow, that person's life. For example, I could look at my father, John, Pastor John, and I could look at his life and see, wow, he has great relationships. He has the presence of God. He has the favor of God on his life. If you listen to the stories of his life, where he started from and where he is, we could look at the finished product and say, oh, I'd never been like that. I could never be like that. But if we understand that in that story, there was a time that he set his life, his heart, his mind, his vision on creating something and finding the presence of God in places that did not exist and seeking after God, then that changes the narrative. That is available to you. No matter what your life is like now, if your life is not characterized if, by peace but rather hostility, if your life is characterized um, by broken relationships, if your life is characterized by constriction rather than wide open space, this is your invitation to create a new well and so that your life flow doesn't come from the places around you, but it actually comes from within you. And this is what's available in the presence of God. And I love these things. There are five things here that it speaks about which are promises for all of us. Let me list them. That the new wells would be a life source. That it would be a wide open space that it would be a place where people and communities thrive, that it would be a space of reconciliation and peace, and that it would be uh, a place of multiplication and expansion. So who digs wells? And in this story, the answer is a servant. Servants at the direction of their boss. Do you know that the process of digging a new well requires humility? It requires us not just to look around us, but to ask God, 
where we should begin to seek him for that life-giving source. You know, digging a new well is a bold and costly act of faith. Digging a new well is hard labor propelled by the belief that down in the dirt, a vast flow of water exists. It's one of the biggest acts of faith to seek new life in places of barrenness. But like with many difficult tasks, finding water is terrifically rewarding. Do you know if you go to this place that they talked about 4,000 years later from the story, you will find the city of uh, Beersheba, which is actually the capital of the Negev. And so these servants, I wonder what it would have been like for them when they're digging and not seeing any result and finally they hit water. This has had a generational effect. God wants to do something within you that will echo for generations, that will impact the people around you. And this is the power of new wells. And this is our future. At the very beginning, I, um, I said that one of the ways that I would describe this church is a new well. And so um, I also just want to give you a clue to our future as a church that God is calling us to be a church planting church. So from this church, we are going to, in the future, plant other churches. And I'll be talking more about that at our all-in But this is, why would we do that? Because we see the life and the power of transformation when we step out in faith and when we commit to being a life-giving source for others. Thanks for joining us for this message. We hope that it has inspired you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about City Lights Church at city-lights.church.